You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. You can call it what you want. I'm going to say earthly achievement. You sought satisfaction in earthly achievements. Bigger house, more horses, chariots, greater projects. What is it you long for? Whether you want to be a rock star, a sports star, a successful business person, whatever field you're going in, you want to be the best. Nothing wrong with wanting to be the best. Just understand that when you reach the top, if you reach the top, That's not where the meaning of life is. As Pastor Danny continues his teaching series through the book of Ecclesiastes, he'll be challenging you to understand the real meaning of life. The moment that you were forgiven of your sins and saved from eternal hell, God could have taken you home to heaven right there on the spot, but he didn't. That's because God has a purpose for you as long as you're still alive. The Bible says that God predestined you to good works and that you've been given specific spiritual gifts in order to build up his kingdom. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 1 as he continues his message, Ecclesiastes Overview, A Search for Meaning. dividing up the green amps and the two and all and I was empty I was so empty I was like it's just not what I thought it was going to be it didn't deliver what what I thought it would I don't know what your thing is I don't know what you think will make you happy I call Solomon the ultimate been there done that kind of guy there's nobody we know of no, nobody we know of in history any richer. And nobody that tried everything, everything. He tried it all. So here's my question. It's a very crucial question. How, how, if Solomon had all the wisdom and everything that the world had to offer, how did he end up so depressed? We know, we know, we know it was because he made some mistakes. But what mistakes? What mistakes? I, I like the whiteboard. I don't know if you like the whiteboard, but I, I like the whiteboard. Welcome to class. Let's learn from the guy that had it all and tried it all. And let's see if we can't learn from his mistakes. Deuteronomy chapter 17. God was very clear that if anyone had the awesome privilege of becoming a king over Israel, God gave them specific instruction. And in Deuteronomy chapter 17, we find this instruction. 
chapter 17, and if you go down, verse 18, when he takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of this law. That would be the Bible, taken from that of the priests who are Levites. It is to be with him, and he's to read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to revere the Lord his God and follow carefully all the words of this law and these decrees. He's to get a copy of the Bible, and he's to personally write his own copy, and he's to read it all the days of his life. And it's obvious Solomon didn't do that. Here's his first mistake. He neglected the Word of God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Give us this day our daily bread. Psalm 119, 105, the psalmist says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Lamp unto my feet. I need it for daily decisions. I need it for daily guidance and a light into my path. I need, to, I need it because I need a perspective that goes beyond this life. John 17, 17, Jesus prayed, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. The manna in the Old Testament wilderness wanderings that came down every day is an illustration meant to teach us that we need daily bread from heaven. Daily bread. Not just every Sunday from a big mouth like me. I need it tomorrow. Every day. And God told Solomon, you make yourself a personal copy and you read it all the days of your life and you make sure you do what it says. And Solomon didn't do that. And he spent a life neglecting the Word of God. If you're still in Deuteronomy 17, look at Verse 17, just the first half. He must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. Now let me give you another reference that will blow your mind. 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 3. Listen to what it says. Speaking of Solomon, he had 700 wives. He, really? <laughs> this room holds a little over 360 people. It's not absolutely full, but can you imagine if twice as many people in this room, twice as many women in this room, that's how many wives Solomon had. How did that work? All right, think about it. You think about it. It's like, what's your name? I'm your wife. Well, I got 700. I mean, did he have name tags? How do you do anniversary presents? You got me the same thing last year. Oh, I thought I gave her that. You know, and you talk, you talk about money for, for gifts. I mean, Christmas was expensive for Solomon. But 700 wives. And then it says he had 300 concubines. That was from a culture that you just want an extra woman other than just your wife. Solomon's got 700 wives. And then he has 300 concubines. Here's what it tells us. Not only did he neglect the word, didn't do what it says, not only did he not get his nose in the book, he had a weakness. He had a weakness for women. He had one romantic fantasy after another. 
He had more women than in anybody we know of. I mean, he just had women everywhere. And at the end of his life, it didn't do it. Meaningless. If you're still in Deuteronomy, chapter 17, the last part of verse 17, after he must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray, and the Bible tells us over time as Solomon grew older, his wives led him astray. And then God says, he must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. For the sake of time, I don't have time to turn to every scripture, but you can trust me on this. 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 14, for example, tells us basically Solomon's annual paycheck. Crazy. Crazy how rich the guy was. And here's what happened. Because he accumulated for himself. He fell in love with money. Not wrong to have money. Not wrong to be rich. It's one thing to have riches. It's another thing for riches to have you. He fell in love with money and the things money could buy. When Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy, he says, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith, pierced themselves with many griefs. So how do I know if I'm in love with money? Somebody asked a rich guy years ago, how much is enough? And he said, just a little bit more. If you say just a little bit more, you got a problem. When John the Baptist preached and one group would come to him and say, what does it mean for us to repent? And one group, he, he turns to them and he says, be content with your pay. Be content with your pay. If you're always just looking for more. Something's wrong. Look, this is for each of us, me too. I think if I just had a bigger boat. It doesn't mean these things aren't enjoyable. It doesn't mean you don't enjoy things. But, but Solomon's saying when it comes to the end and the real meaning of life, won't do it for you. He fell in love with money. Still in chapter 17 of Deuteronomy, verse 16, the king, moreover, must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them. For the Lord has told you, don't go back that way again. I delivered you out of Egypt. Don't go back, don't go back there again. Egypt is a type of the world. You know what Solomon did? He imported horses chariots, well, horses for sure from Egypt, because that's where the best horses were. When we go to Israel in May, one of the stops is an archaeological dig where they've uncovered some of Solomon's stables where he kept those horses from Egypt. Now, some people say the horses was because he fell in love with money. I'm going to suggest to you that the horses and the chariots fit more what the other thing that Solomon did, and that was he sought satisfaction 
Now, you can call it what you want. I'm going to say earthly achievement. You sought satisfaction in earthly achievements. Bigger house, more horses, chariots, greater projects. What is it you long for? Whether you want to be a rock star, a sports star, a successful business person, whatever field you're going in, you want to be the best. Nothing wrong with wanting to be the best. Just understand that when you reach the top, if you reach the top, that's not where the meaning of life is. Earl, I know I won't embarrass you. This dude right here played in Super Bowl three. not only played in Super Bowl three with Joe Namath, and those of us who are old know who Joe Namath is, he won Super Bowl three. They won Super Bowl three. Did it last? I knew your answer. Shelton Quarles, the former linebacker for the Bucs, I'll never forget the article, and they actually printed it in the paper, and I have it in my file. And the title of the article was Shelton Quarles, who won a Super Bowl as well. He said, a fading glory. A fading glory. It's a fading glory. Not what life's all about. Won't give you what you're looking for. Now, I'll give you one more. And this is the sandwich. He started by neglecting the word. He had a weakness for women. He fell in love with money. He sought satisfaction in earthly achievements. I'll put it another way. He did not live in light of eternity. But he believed in eternity. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, Solomon said, God has put eternity in the heart of man. Every single person, even a child knows this. There's an inner sense that if I die, when I die, it's not the end. God the Creator has put that in every person. If, if you believe that it's just the end and you're not conscious anymore, why would you be afraid to die? We're afraid to die because we know it's not the end. The Creator put that in us. Solomon knew that. But knowing it, he knew it, but he didn't live in light of it. He lived for now. Now, let me show you one more thing, and then we'll bring it to a close. It hit me in this study, preparing for this message, that sandwiched between neglecting the Word and not living in the light of eternity, weakness for women, that's lust of the flesh. Falling in love with money, that's lust of the eyes. Seeking satisfaction in any earthly achievement, that's the pride of life. Every single sin falls underneath one of those. Every single sin. Every single one. Don't love the world or the things in the world. The world and its desires pass away. But he who does the will of God lives forever. And you'll find life that's really life. Now, class is not over. Don't leave. You say, I don't really like that whiteboard. Don't that guy knows how to use PowerPoint? I mean, come on. We're in a modern world now. If Solomon were here, and I said, Solomon, in the last 10 minutes, could you give us just a summary a summary of advice. What would Solomon have to say? Here's what he would say. Go to funerals regularly. That's what he told us in Ecclesiastes 7. He said it's better to go to a house of mourning than a house of feasting. Now, if you take that statement just by itself, you think he's off his rocker. What did he say after that? 
Better to go to a house of mourning than a house of feasting, for death is the destiny of every man. The living should take this to heart. Some people think I'm weird, but I like doing funerals as a pastor better than I like doing weddings. This last month, this month, I've done two funerals and two weddings. The two weddings, I'm happy for the couple. And I go, and they're all excited. And I do the wedding. I now pronounce your husband and wife, kiss your bride, and I hope you have a good life. You know? Hey, come on, marriage ain't all, it's, ain't all it's cracked up to be. Come on. I mean, I mean, it's good. I'm not saying it's bad. Right, babe? It's my wife. It'll be a long Sunday, isn't it? <laughs> but nobody. Look, I give the gospel at every wedding I do. I give the gospel at every funeral I do. Guess who listens more attentively? I don't want to hear you. What are you talking about? We're getting married. We're going on a honeymoon. One of the funerals I did, they have the open casket, and they have the body sitting there in the casket. Let me tell you what, you face death. Funerals aren't as enjoyable, but I'll tell you what, they're more healthy because you're confronted with death. Solomon says, better to go to a house of mourning than a house of feasting. Death is the destiny of every man. The living should take this to heart. And then he says, don't fall in love with money. That should be Ecclesiastes 5.10, not 7.10. My mistake. 5.10. And here's what Solomon said in his autobiography. Whoever loves money never has money enough. And boy, he ought to know. Don't fall in love with money. He says, realize nothing in this world, nothing in this world can satisfy one's soul. Meaningless, meaningless. I surveyed everything, everything I did, everything I tried. Nothing in this world can satisfy one's soul. Somebody said, every soul has a God-shaped vacuum in it that only God can fill. That's true. Solomon would say to us, you need to seek Daily bread. You need daily bread from heaven. You need a word from God every day. You need the word of God to guide your life. You need the word of God to be the parameters around your lifestyle. Decisions you make. How you live life. He closes the book in chapter 12 and verse 13. Now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. There it is. He tells us in chapter 4, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. Pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Verse 12, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Do you, do you, guys, guys, I'm talking to the guys here. Do you have at least one other friend, a guy friend, that is trying to live for Christ and trying to live for the Lord? Do you have a friend like that? If not, you need, to, you need to do everything you can to develop the kind of relationships with some godly men. If you've got one friend, that's great. If you've got two, it's even better. Because your percentages of help 
<laughs> goes up. Because on the day you get tempted or when you make a mistake and your friend says, hey, I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to help you. I'm here to get in your face and say, what are you doing? What were you thinking? But if both of you fall on the same day, then the third guy comes in and goes, what are you nuts doing? Come on. And ladies, ladies, you need the same thing. Do you have a close friend that's a Christian that loves Jesus? If not, you need to get in situations. Church, Wednesday nights. I know we got our last one Wednesday, but we're kicking up again first of the year. Find a place to develop Christian relationships. And then he would say, don't wait till you're old to begin living in light of eternity. He says in chapter 12, verse 1, remember your creator in the days of your youth. Before the days come when you say, I find no pleasure in them. And then it's kind of humorous if you read the rest of chapter 12 because he describes old age. Teeth start to go, get bent over, hair turns white if you got any left. He says, don't wait till you come to the end of your life like me and realize everything you toiled for, everything you worked for, everything you invested your time and your effort in, it was meaningless. Now, if you are older, don't go kick yourself for whatever time you have left and say, I wish I had made more of a commitment to the Lord. I wish I had lived more for the Lord. I wish I have invested more in the kingdom of God. Look, you can't go back and change the past. And I see my good-looking geography teacher in seventh grade. Boy, was she hot. <laughs> Miss Northcutt, I used to love to go to geography class just because I loved to look at her. I mean, she was a beautiful lady. And she got married. Dashed my hopes of ever getting old enough and having her hand. I love Miss Northcutt. I don't remember a thing she taught about geography. <laughs> but I do remember this. Every day, every, every single day in class, she would write on the blackboard, this is the first day of the rest of your life. I never forgot that. Didn't always make a difference. It's the first day of the rest of your life. Can't go back and change the past. What are you living for? What's all your time and effort spent doing? You know, some of us would go, I just wanted to work until I could retire, and then I just wanted to do nothing. That sounds miserable. So if you're retired, I love what Nelson said. They just started our seasoned saints ministry, and he shared at the luncheon kickoff when he moved to Florida after 38 years of pastoral ministry in Louisville, Kentucky with the same church. That's quite an accomplishment. And then came to Florida. And he said somebody gave him a plaque, and he showed it at that kickoff luncheon. Refirement. They went through the tirement and said refirement. When we come to the end, it won't be your house. It won't be the achievement personally. It won't be the romantic fantasy or even fulfillment of a fantasy. It's God. It's God. And again, God's not some killjoy. He gives us things to bless us. 
But he tells us, seek first my kingdom, my righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. Thanks for joining us today on The Living Word. Pastor Danny's study, Gleanings from the Old Testament, will continue next time, so be sure to tune in again. Through this study, you'll meet a variety of characters, some strong in their faith and others not, some who seem to have a massive role in society and others who only have a minor part to play. Each person and each situation have a valuable lesson for you, though, and it's worth your time and attention. You can and should learn from their triumphs as well as their failures, and you can take comfort in the one that they all served, your Creator, God Himself. You also have the privilege of seeing the future that they had yet to know. You have the rest of Scripture to dig into as well. Today, we encourage you to read again the passage that Pastor Danny taught on, or turn to another part of the Bible. You won't be disappointed, and God has plenty to tell you on every page of Scripture. It truly is the living Word. If you'd like to explore more of Pastor Danny's messages from this series or others, we encourage you to visit our website, ccfstpete.church. Just click on Sermons to be directed to our YouTube page, and we'd love for you to subscribe. When you do, you'll be notified by email every time we post a new message. That website one more time is ccfstpete.church. That's all we have time for for today. We'll continue walking through the Old Testament next time, right here on The Living Word.